Welcome to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, and welcome to Masonian Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we learn about the experience of the female food founders. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Good morning. Hi, Sarah. Hi. I have so many questions for you about your weekend. Oh, shoot. I better pull up all my pictures so I remember <laughs> I what I did. <laughs> I was scoping you out last night on the gram. So nice. you were in San Francisco. Yeah, I got to go to San Francisco to judge Good Food Awards. And you did that last year, right? Uh, actually, I believe it's my third or fourth year. And do you always judge the same category? Are you allowed to tell uh, us? The first year I judged cheese, and then the last couple of years I've been in preserves. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So I looked at jams and jellies and stuff like that. Very cool. Are you allowed to tell us your favorite things, or is it top secret at this point? Uh, I can tell you, actually, my favorite item was uh, Seville Orange Marmalade. Oh, yum. Mm. And you can see a picture of it on my Instagram. Oh, perfect. It looked like an amoeba. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the sample, I was like, oh, man, look at those nice <laughs> arms of orange peel. It was so tasty. Um, I've been a judge before for the state fair for the preserves category, but the weird thing about that is that you don't actually try any of it. You don't get a taste. You it. don't get to it's taste too it. Too scary. Too scary. Yeah, what? they don't want the general public <laughs> to have to taste all the preserved goods in case maybe they didn't follow recipes or something. I guess so. You're just judging it on look, color, jar, things like that. They don't space. open it. Mm, we did open them, but we didn't taste them. I, I once entered Apricot Jam in the Columbia County Fair, and they chastised me because I got jam on the top of my lid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marked it. <laughs> Marked What do they call it? Demerits. Yeah. <laughs> Points are taken off for that. Or if you leave, I always tell people this in my um, my jam making classes. Like, if you leave the scum across the top, you yeah, know, which is little bubbles. Too. Oh, yeah. You get marked down immediately. You have to have it. You have to take it out, even though I there's eat nothing all the scum. wrong with it. I never put it in <laughs> right? a jar. That's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, just eat it. It tastes delicious. Eat it, or I put it in a little bowl and then have it in the fridge and sort of finish it later. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Don't, so, don't waste that scum, everybody. So I went to the <laughs> farmer's market, actually, at Fort Mason. Oh, you did? How was it? It was beautiful. Their produce was beautiful. Um, but the most enamoring thing was the chicken cooking machine. Oh, right. I saw you post pictures of that. And people were, like, buying half chicken mm-hmm. or whole chicken, and the potatoes were down below. That's what I was going to say. Fat they drips. have the potatoes underneath? Yeah, that was down. crazy. So we, they bring those contraptions to market every mm-hmm. week. We need it in Oregon. Yeah. 
We totally need it. Well, there's a Pollo Norte here does yeah. that, but they're not mobile. So they need to get mobile and come to the farmer's market, yeah, I think, right? Somebody commented, uh, some chef from around Portland commented on my page, like, we need Pollo Norte. Yeah. Our, I was like, go for it. It's so true. And so was that your favorite food that you ate while you were there? The roasted chicken from the market? I didn't eat the chicken. Oh, you just thought it was cool. I'm, I don't eat chicken too much, but I just thought the whole idea of somebody going there and being able to, like, grab their chicken was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to highlight from your trip? Uh, yeah, so during the um, reception at the end, I looked over and there was Mark Bitterman from At the Meadow. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. So um, we saw lots of people from Oregon because Sarah, the gal that started the Good Food Awards, has moved to Portland. Oh, yeah. So, so she's making connections yeah, with all our people. I, I asked her about it. I said, hey, I saw you at the Food Innovation Center. She's like, it's a secret. <laughs> I'm like, okay, don't, I'm letting it go now. I don't know exactly what the secret is, but apparently something's going to happen. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Well, we'll Portland. keep us posted on yeah. those secrets. Yeah. <laughs> if as you can. As I know, we'll let it all out. <laughs> Well, thanks, Sarah. Thanks for the update. It Mm -hmm. sounds like you had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, So today's food news, speaking of Sarah judging cheese and all of those great things, this weekend is The Wedge. And so it's a cheese event to celebrate all things cheese and things that go with it. So it's tomorrow, October 6th from 12 to 6 at 100 Southeast Alder. Tickets are $25. You can come and taste cheese from all around the state while you sample other wine, ciders, food products, things like that. It's a really fun event. We've done it over the years. Um, But it's one of the ways that I feel like I've really become, like, created this relationship with all the cheese vendors in town. So it's nice to actually meet the makers. They Mm -hmm. come and talk about the cheese process and stuff like that. That's cool. So that's a cool event you guys can check out. If you're a food entrepreneur and have a press release for us to announce, submit those to startupradionetwork.com, and we will help you spread the word about events. So speaking of local super cool products, superheroes, we're joined in the studio today by Connie of Blossom Vinegars. Welcome, Hi, Connie. Thank you. Good morning, Sarah and Sarah. I know. It's, <laughs> it's the, the Sarah. The double the Sarah. It's so easy. We're so glad to have you in the studio Thank today, you. Connie. Nice to be here. So Sarah and I know about your products because we have worked with you and around you for many years, yes. but tell our listeners about Blossom Vinegars and what they are. Well, Blossom Vinegars are culinary vinegars and mixers. The mixers are for sparkling water and cocktails. Obviously, the culinary vinegars are for salads and marinates and really anything. They're very uh, functional. Um, the mixers are sort of the next generation, and um, you know there have been shrubs forever. Yeah. What are shrubs? Shrubs, they're not little bushes. They're not. (laughs) (laughs) They've been around since um, the beginning of time, really. Mm. Um, It's it's acidified. Um, It's a way that um, in the beginning when alcohol was so horrific, it was a way to make alcohol palatable, Mm. which seems so odd. Um, And so it was uh, vinegar, alcohol, uh, liquor, sugar, and then whatever the like soda to mix it. The the ones that we do are a modern version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're one of the few that creates the drinking vinegars without added sugar. Oh, you there, don't have any added sugar? There is no added sugar. That's mm-hmm. sort of the hallmark of the brand. Nice. And it, it's really what makes it different than a shrub. 
Yes. Right? So it's like, yeah. do you still call them drinking vinegars? We do. Yeah. We're moving to calling them mixers, though. Okay. Oh. That makes sense. It probably um, makes more sense to the consumer yes. in their mind that they yes. could mix it with things rather than just thinking they need to take a drink of it. Yes. Yeah. Because it gets confused with the medicinal um, shot of apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. with either some kind of a pepper yeah. or that sort of thing in it. And this is a beverage. Mm-hmm. So we've got the culinary application and then a beverage application. Cool. But people could do shots of it if they wanted. They do. Yeah. Indeed, they do. I mean, I know and I they- have. <laughs> <laughs> and people cook with them, Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. um, use them. I suggest they only do it as a finish because it doesn't have the same level of acidity as the culinary vinegars. But people do what they do with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And Connie has lots of um, recipes. If you see her market stand at the farmer's market, you'll see all these different ideas posted that people can um, to do, like recipes to do cocktails. She is not short on ideas for things to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I learned that people needed recipes. They do. They need it. They need you to tell them what to do with your product. Otherwise, they're just standing there like, okay, this is cool, but what do I do with it? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They really need to be guided along the... Yeah, and I, as a non-recipe right. person, that was a hard lesson for me. I'd be like, I, can you put it in tacos? Because <laughs> it just floats around. There's like a thousand ideas, but yeah. none of them were committed to paper until I realized, oh, yeah, people need a jumping off point. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. It helps them along their journey. So one reason that I'm super excited for Connie to be here today is that she doesn't even really realize it, but she was one of my mentors from the very beginning what? of me starting a business. So That's before cool. I even had had a hot sauce business. I didn't even have a name to like, I was not Sarah Spicy Marshall. I didn't have Marshall's hot sauce. (laughs) I was just taking a class saying I might want to do this thing. So one of my assignments in my business class was to reach out to people that were um, doing something close to what we were wanting to do. So I was thinking at that time about maybe starting a sauce business. And so I looked up people at the Portland Farmer's Market that I could ask questions to. I think I sent out maybe... 10 or 15 emails, and we were supposed Whoa. to just interview one person. So Connie was the only person that wrote me back. So let me, I, I pulled oh up gosh. that email because it's oh still in my, my email. Gosh. She's the Connie godmother. I know. She is. <laughs> and I remember just being so excited. So oh here my was my email. So this was in <laughs> June of 2011, and I didn't actually launch the business until October 2011. So I wrote, hi, Connie. I'm hoping to start a sauce company using fresh local products. I am in the beginning stages of planning and enrolled in a class in Mercy Corps Northwest. I was hoping to find mentors in the food industry. Let me know. (laughs) And she wrote me back that day. And was like, I could do that for you. I do best meeting over coffee. And so we made a plan to meet for coffee. But then my assignment had to be turned in. So I was like, okay, um, hey, can I ask you three questions? I have to turn them into my professor tomorrow. (laughs) And so I asked her about insurance nice about employees Mm -hmm. how to like have employees and about production facility and she answered my questions but before that I really had no idea about any of those things like nobody told me any of them (laughs) I didn't know where to go I just you know I didn't have anything so she helped me from the very beginning whoa she's a keystone in your business isn't that cool that is so cool I have Mm -hmm. no recollection oh I know I knew you didn't know so I didn't want to I didn't want to I wanted to catch you off guard with it because I knew you, you did. didn't know that. And How then did even you have that email from I all know. those years ago? Because I just I can't I find them from a month ago. It was in your 
yeah, stuff? I knew it was in there somewhere. Oh, wow. And then, oh you know, I don't ever delete anything. I just keep oh. it in different <laughs> oh. folders. Like, so it was in my... Thank you. Yeah. I hate deleting stuff. I don't like to delete oh stuff. Gosh. I like to keep it just in case. And this was a good reason oh to keep gosh. it. So that this was in, great reason. This was in my sauce business question mark because it was like when I was trying to figure out if that's what I wanted to do cool and there was her email holy mackerel (laughs) I'm impressed with your organization do you have a lot of people contact you to get information over I mean over the years I'm sure I do yeah Mm -hmm. I have had lots of people um, some more serious than others I can remember the first time I asked someone for information and she basically bit me (gasps) she bit you she's like I'm not gonna help you so operating from, I have my business and that's it. And I, oh yeah, you know it's like that zero sum gain. I, yeah. I just don't believe in that. Yeah. I think there's yeah. plenty for all of we us. You gotta share and oh, care. Oh gosh. Well, and I think that now I try to follow that lead. So you emailed me that day, and it just gave me so much hope that yeah. you know people were going to be helpful, or just mm-hmm. like that I could do this. And mm-hmm. and I think that anytime somebody emails me now with questions or wants to know something, I answer them right away. And maybe I'm not the right person to guide them, but I could maybe hook them up with the right person. Yeah. And I just think that's so important because yeah. you really. I mean, I emailed so many people. You were the only person that responded, which is Whoa. so great. That's so I'm I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think th- there weren't a lot of people to ask those questions yeah. when mm-hmm. I started. And um, eventually I found people to talk to about it because it, it is like stepping into nothing. Yeah. You know, there's no I had no structure for what it might look like. Yeah. Well, and now things are a little bit different, too, because everybody's, like, connected yes. through, like, you know, Sarah and I are part of this um, food group manufacturer yeah. here. So now everybody can just, like, put out a question and, like, 30 people answer. Did yeah. you get on that group, Connie? No. Oh, you should get on there. Yeah. Okay. We'll send you the invite. Yeah. But it's really nice because now it's, like, all of us together can kind of help each other. Mm-hmm. But that kind of stuff didn't really exist. And everybody yeah. wasn't so right. connected in the social media Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Yeah. And so now it makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But well, then and, and there like, are more. There's yeah. so many more people that have stepped out into the just the ability to um, find materials for a small business from yeah. from the jars to the just everything labels. Yeah, you know, none of that really was in place. It was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. So on your website, it says "Born Beneath a Plum Tree near Portland, Oregon." <laughs> Can you expound on that? What does that mean exactly? Because people are always trying to figure out how they're going to decide what they're going to do and all that kind of stuff. So what's the story? It's a really simple story. I, um, At one of my major birthday marks, I took a look at how I was eating mm. and how life was going and what longevity looked like in my family of origin. And all the women in my family from the 60s lived w- almost to 100. Whoa. And I thought... I better get with this here because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be happy and healthy. And they had no illness at all. I mean, my great aunts in the 60s lived to like mid-90s, which was wow. might as well have been 200 at that point. That's pretty amazing. And my dad's sister was 99. My mom was 95, all in really good health until the very last. And they, they just were, they just, their bodies just gave out. So I, that was the point of um, looking at how I ate, how I, you know, my activity level and I'd made a decision to to change how I ate and to stop eating all processed food. It was a very conscious. I could tell you the date. What was the date? April eighteenth, two thousand three. Wow! And um, that meant I saw a lot more green things. Mm-hmm. 
And from the time that I was very little, maybe it's because I grew up in Wyoming and they only had weird salad dressings. I hated salad dressing. Yeah. I hated that pink color of whatever, that thousand island. (laughs) But so for a long time, I did oil and and lemon on my salads. uh, And I had a couple of big salads every day. And one day I was walking, I was eating my lunch and I was walking in the garden and I had a big plum tree. And I had plum vinegar on my salad. And it was one of the few vinegars that I liked. But I couldn't use it very often because I had a funny reaction in my mouth. And I looked at that plum tree and I just thought, huh, what is vinegar? And that really was the beginning of it. And um, it just was like a feather landing in my lap. Never in a thousand years would I have thought it was going to be a business. Mm -hmm. I was still doing, you know, other things, um, consulting and blah, blah, blah. But I started playing around with it that summer. And I remember the first batch I made. And I was not, I was like, I'm a gifted cook, but I'm not really somebody that does a lot of sauces. I've done a lot of canning. Mm. So I tried um, a Loganberry mm. vinegar, and I was so gobsmacked with how it tasted. I was like, I've never tasted anything like this. And a friend of mine kept asking for another bottle. I was just making it in my kitchen. He kept asking, and he wasn't even a foodie. I need another bottle of that. And I'm like, go buy your own damn vinegar. <laughs> and he said, have you read a label of, on vinegar? And I'm like, no, isn't it just vinegar? And yeah, no, it's not just vinegar. It's chemicals. It's I tell flavors. people that all the time in canning, too, because people don't even think to check the label of their yeah. vinegar that they're using for canning. And a lot of apple cider vinegar that you buy, especially in big jugs, yeah, it's, it's got like flavored. caramel color and natural flavor, whatever their choice of that is for mm-hmm. that ingredient. So yeah. I'm always like, no, you gotta check it. It's just gotta be from apples. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, exactly. it's, or sugar's now a spice in yeah. vinegar. It's what? like, Yeah. Sugar is a spice it's in cons- vinegar? So get, there's certain um, Asian vinegars, and they call them spiced. What? I'm like, when did sugar cross over to become a spice? Well, yeah. they just aren't labeling it correctly. Let's turn yeah. them in. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> so, label so that's kind of how it started. And, you know, I just played around that summer with a bunch of different vinegars, a fruit, a bunch of different fruits, and made, I remember I made 30 bottles, put them in my garage, and thought, I'm good for life. (laughs) I'm stocked up. And then I gave away four bottles at Christmas, and that's how that other thing with my friends started. And by March, I had five bottles left. And I thought, and so then I started the investigate. I like leaning into it, Mm -hmm. called the Department of Ag, et cetera. And and it just, little by slow, it revealed itself to me. It was never like a destination. I'm going to, like, who says I'm going to have a vinegar business? Yeah, it just kind of came. It just kind of slowly, you know, like at that time, there was only one manufacturing acidified food class down at in uh, Corvallis once a year. Mm-hmm. Well, that year there happened to be a second one, and it happened to be two weeks away. Yeah, so you went. So I went. That's great. That's so cool. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences, because food brings people together. 
So a lot of your business has actually been direct sales. You do yes. the farmer's markets. Yes. And Sarah and you, you and Sarah were talking about the farmer's markets and how you spend a lot of time together at farmer's markets. Yeah. I think you two <laughs> should talk to everyone about farmer's markets. Well, we do spend a lot of time. So that first year that I started, after I talked to Connie, I showed up to my very first farmer's market, which was at <laughs> um, Pioneer Square. Ah, so that, I didn't know that was your very first. That was my very <laughs> oh, first market. Gee. Yeah, so this is how it works when you apply to the farmers markets. You don't get into <laughs> yeah. the big, cool, money-making farmers market oh, no. your first year. Oh, no. You have to do kind of like practice markets, it's penance. Yeah, where you do Farmer the little market, market penance. shoulder markets. Yeah, which means rainy markets. Oh. Yeah. So it's like the tiny markets that they're not even sure are going to be there the next year, and they're not. Like all the ones I started doing aren't markets anymore. Right. Huh. But. It's also it's also good for a new business owner to get that practice. Yes. If you were yeah. thrown into that busy market, I don't think you would know what to do. Yeah, because you, know? you have to load in, you have to set up, there's you have just, to know how much rules, to bring. There's systems. There's a lot of people with a lot of questions. Is there a pecking order? Like who gets answer. to load in first and all that no, kind of stuff? Sometimes people try to make it that way. Yeah. I, so, they pretend there's pecking yeah. order. So the funny thing about me is that I have never driven my car into the market <laughs> oh my after doing that Pioneer Square market because you had to be downtown. Town, pull into this tiny pioneer square market. You Very get difficult. Stuck in there. It yep. was so hard. Everybody's angry and stressed out because they're downtown, and yeah. then you're like stuck. You're like driving in the actual tiny pioneer circle. square in the tiny circle. And so one time, some guy got mad at me, and I never drove into another market again because he was yelling at me. <laughs> he was yelling I never at you? have driven in. I have like trauma response. Oh, Dirk and PTSD. I carry all of they our do. stuff from I'm the always street. Amazed. Like sometimes two blocks away, we load in. In everything. We wow. never drive into a market because of that one. Oh my <laughs> that was gosh. eight years ago and I still don't do it. Well, it's highly competitive, especially at the yeah. end of the market. Mm-hmm. The way I worked with it in the in the in the morning of the market is I'm always like the first one there. Because yeah, I can't take the stress. Yeah. Very first. Get there, unload, go get coffee, and then watch the village be built. Yeah. You know? That's good. Good and, idea. Mm-hmm. But the end, it's like you've got to be in line at the right time, and it's an art. You learn yeah, it. and they have everybody line up their cars, and the market does a good job of, like, navigating everyone. Like, okay, here, you're in this booth. You can pull in next, and then the next Guess person in the next that? booth. Did you teach them that? What? We, we you did gave that, them? We did that at one market because it was so – it got so nasty and so competitive yeah. that the market manager had you line up according to your place, your booth. Yeah. So the one ahead of me, I was right behind him and etc. And so I was talking to one of the the market managers and said, you know, this is the way we do it at that market. Mm-hmm. And it really reduces everybody's anger level. Because yeah. if it's a super hot day, you want to get out of there. And yeah. you, know, you don't want to get out of there at 3. You want to be out of there at 2.30. Yeah. Or even mm-hmm. if it's really rainy. Or, um, yes. Because sometimes like, if it's raining so hard, your tents collapse and yes. stuff. Oh, like, shoot. There's all these things that people don't really think about it. And you don't know until it, it happens. And yeah. then you're like, oh, whoa. We need a super tent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this this uh, $40 Costco tent is not going to do it. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> no. I think of all the millions of times people have said so wistfully, oh, I wish I was doing what you're doing. And I just thought, you had a clue (laughs) how much work it is just Um, to get the booth set up, not to make the product. So how much time does it take to get set up then? So we're parking up to two blocks away. We have all our stuff. We're carrying it in. Is it an hour to set up? Easily. Yeah, at least. 
I mean, you kind of have to leave room for things going wrong, you know, if you either forget something or somebody you can't get into your spot or you get moved. I mean, all kinds of things happen. You kind of have to be ready. The first years, I was what they called a nomad. So I didn't (laughs) have a spot. I did did that for three years, I think, before they gave me an actual spot. So I would never know where I was going to be or who my neighbor was going to be, which was the even kind of scarier part. Yeah. And so I would have to come in early and then be like, okay, where's my spot? And then I would hopefully have a spot that people could find me at. And then Very I like, stressful. Yeah, it's it's a little bit challenging, but it's kind of what you have to do to, you know, get your good space at That's the good right. market. So right. it's reasonable to say that people could start a business selling at the Portland farmers markets. You both did, right? We did. Yeah, it's it's a di- bit of is a different it true day. Today? It's harder to like at the PSU market in particular. It is a much harder market to get into. It's considered one of the best in the world. Yeah. Oh, you know mm-hmm. you're you're um, reviewed every single year for you know where your products come from, where yeah, your materials where you're sourcing come from, from and and they're really into sustainability. Yep. So you know, Connie and I have um, glass bottles, so that's important to our process. So you have to have local ingredients. In. Is that you what you're saying? You have to have local ingredients. Is there a yeah. Percentage that's there is required? a percentage. Mine has been so far above it for so long. I don't actually even know what the percentage I is. Oh. I don't know either. But should, you know, I would think we 50%, have to. F- I think I'm it's thinking. pretty high. Yeah. But w- so we have to fill out a form mm-hmm. every know, year. Now it's online. It used to just be a piece of paper. But um, saying who we got our ingredients from, everything that we're going to sell at the market, and then each item gets approved because they don't want people to sell like. Um, bags and hats and they don't want it right. to be like a junk Craft. fest. Yeah, it's got to be food from the farmers. And direct. Yeah. Wow. Which I think is really cool. Not a lot too. of, not markets everywhere don't do that, but in particular the Portland Farmers Market organization does, They're which is really They're being really cool. good stewards to the local economy by doing that. I, I think. think so too. They are. Yeah. And then once you are in uh, multiple states, because it's seen as a launch pad, mm-hmm. so once you're in, I think it's five states, you you're, you no longer fall under the same rules um, and and cannot participate in the same way at the market. Yeah. Really? So because it's seen as a um, a catalyst for entrepreneurs. Oh, so <laughs> have you limited the number of states you're in so that you could continue to go to the market? We won't limit the number of states we're in, but we're not quite at that point yet. Interesting. So yeah. we um, kind of. I think for Connie and I both, we were already in the market before they established that rule. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so we your get grandfathered to, yeah, in. Yeah, we get to be there. So um, it's, I know it's us and um, Olympia Provisions. So some of those Portland Pet Food, I'm pretty sure they're all over the place. That started, I don't think they do the PSU, farm, the Portland Farmers Markets. Ah. They do um, Beaverton, which is a totally different set of rules. Right. So Everybody has their own rules. Or- oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a totally different organization. Yep. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like being outside of a school district, you know, like yeah. where they can have different. So the first markets journeys. that I did were in some of the smaller bedroom communities because the criteria was not as stringent, and yeah. I was still in the process of getting everything, you know, set up with the state. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think we—I didn't even have formal labels at that point. Yeah, but 
the PSU or the, the Portland Farmers Market Organization is much stricter mm-hmm. overall. And I think it's good. Yeah. It helps you I get ready for everything else that you're going to be asked and things that questions you're going to have to answer. And it really sets the guidelines in this really great direction where it's like, here, you got a source from these people. You're going to end up with a better product anyways. Yes. You know, it's really nice to have that. And I, I would like to talk about your <laughs> vinegars, That's right. not We're just the farmer's market. Up. So I know that you have, since I have been Connie's neighbor for so long, I know all of her products, but um, she does have some spicy ones, which is usually a question that I ask very often. Um, one of my favorite ones that she has that I think everybody should go try is mango habanero. I, I call it the crack of the farmer's market. Yeah, it's really, As really if I know what crack is. Nice. But, you know, <laughs> theoretically. But that's how addictive Let's it call is. it the liquid gold of the there farmer's market. Oh, I like that idea better. <laughs> I, I then we're promoting um, health. And um, so this one I have here, I don't think I've had before. It's the Thai pepper pear. Yes. Have you always had this one? It's. It was a pretty early on. I, actually, of the drinking vinegar group, it was probably the last of the six. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I'm over here smelling the vinegar. Yeah. I didn't look at the name of it. I'm like, ooh, I smell dill. Then I pushed the bottle away and I was like, oh, good. I can really smell things. It's called lemon dill. <laughs> yeah. Good nose, Sarah. And, and that and well, one is true. potent as all get out. We're going to have to just take swigs of these. So, um, <laughs> you know, our usual Will we style. get vinegar drunk? Uh, probably not. Oh, but, shoot. But be gentle with the lemon dill. Or Maybe I'll put it in the cap. Knock, yeah, it'll knock your socks off. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a I little do cap shot. One. I would do, do that the, one first? Yeah. The, okay, Connie's d- um, <clears throat> directing me on the best way to sample, which she will do at the farmer's market, too. She'll walk you through what you need it's to like do. wine tasting. And she, yeah, <laughs> she has these cute little droppers mm-hmm. to have people trace, taste things. So I'm switching my journey because I'm going to take Connie's advice to <laughs> ginger apple pear. Whoa. Oops. I'm going to do a vinegar slurp right now. It's a new way of tasting that I've developed. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) If you hear her. Yeah. See, that was what the outcome was going to be. Is this what you do when you judge, Sarah? You slurp? (laughs) She may have died on us here. I learned it from the coffee people. Oh, yeah. It's probably different with vinegar. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot different. Actually, it's really refreshing. Mm -hmm. I think everyone should do that. Oh, yeah. The ginger apple pear, I've had a lot. I really like this one because it, it really does taste like apples, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. There's something really important about these vinegars that Connie needs to tell us. She told me a long time ago that we have affinities to certain flavors and combinations of ingredients. Mm-hmm. And She's gonna have, you're going to have to refresh my memory. <laughs> you, you told me that, you know, you, when you taste through the vinegars, certain vinegars will ring true to you as you taste them. Mm-hmm. And so those are the ones you should purchase because maybe you need something in that vinegar. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I think same I must with, need apples in my life because that's mm-hmm. what I'm really Well, it's like that feeling. time of year. Mm-hmm. It's a very seasonal one. And the ginger apple pear is fantastic in a cup of hot tea. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. Mm. Um, or an apple cider. Or, or with whiskey. Or, or, or as a <laughs> Moscow mule. Yes, a mule. Or hot buttered rum. Or maybe yes. in a popsicle. Oh, I yeah. don't know about that one in a popsicle. I think that's a great idea. For kids? Yeah. yeah. Put a splash so. in there. It's a great It's a great alternative to, to juice for kids. And there's one of the group that is particularly popular with kids, and that's the wildflower honey cherry. Oh, yeah. Ooh. It's like the... Most kid approved. And kids know the colors of the labels. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And they will come and negotiate hard to get a bottle. Yeah, Connie's bottles are really beautiful. They're these um, square... 
They, the bottle probably has a name. Quadra. You know yeah, the Quadra bottle. So it is very tall and slender and beautiful. And then she has these bright colored labels on the front. And the different labels are different styles of vinegar, right? Yes. The, you have the um, culinary vinegars yes. and then the drinking vinegars. Yeah. And all of the labels were going through an upgrading. So they're going to all, all change in the next year. But something special about the older labels that Connie started with, her husband painted the portrait of the flower. No, that's not accurate. I thought it was true. (laughs) Sarah's just making stuff up. She is. No, my husband, it's true. My husband is an amazing artist. You had, I thought you had some artwork that he did on some of your stuff. Maybe it was a long time ago. In the very beginning, the sign in the booth was one that he had painted. This is a Greek artist, Faden Constantinus. And the artwork that's on the the culinary vinegar was a tiny little oil painting, Mm -hmm. about three by five oil painting. And this is the scene from that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try the Thai pepper pear, which I'm super excited about. You know, it's sparky. It's not really hot. Well, the ginger apple pear Do you still do the apple jalapeno? No, that one has been retired. Oh, I loved that one. I did too. You lived a good life. <laughs> <laughs> so a long time ago, you came to the Food Innovation Ooh, Center and yeah. you had a little bit of help there. I did, from somebody named Sarah. That's <laughs> right. I remember meeting with you Yeah, all those years yeah. ago. How did, how did Sarah help you? She, we started with labels. Mm-hmm. Let's pass that one over here. I love mm-hmm. that Thai pepper. Yeah. yeah. So good. I love that one too. That's my favorite in mm-hmm. plain coconut, sparkling coconut water. Yeah, or I like it because it just leaves your tongue a little tingly. In the winter, it is fantastic in mm. a big mug of hot water with fresh squeezed lime and a teaspoon of that and black pepper. Oh, that's it's tasty. very very East Indian. Yeah, and it, I call it a fog lifter. That fog makes lifter. sense. It makes you feel alive again. Brightens your brain. Mm-hmm. And and you could certainly add a little uh, toddy to it. Mm-hmm. You could make it a real hot toddy, but as a virgin hot toddy, it's you don't, pretty you spectacular. You tell people all day about cocktails, but you don't even drink <laughs> cocktails, don't. do you? <laughs> I, I went to a so. cocktail party of Connie's <laughs> one time. Right. We did a, te- a sampling. Well, like at a bar somewhere, yeah, it did. seems like. That was fun. We had contest winners. I was collecting recipes for them. Oh, yeah. That's a I'm smart a, way to do it. I'm a non-drinker. It's yeah. pretty difficult. To, so we sampled and people voted. That's so and cool. Sarah was one of the judges. Mm. Always judging. She worked hard for that. <laughs> Always judging everybody, Sarah. <laughs> and their food, not the people. <laughs> Mm. Mm-hmm. So, Connie, I want to talk about um, your business because you are the first person that we had on the show that has that the business has changed ownership or yes. had a partner join in or yeah. whatever. We haven't had anyone with that. You, you know, a lot of people that we've had on are pretty new business owners. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about that experience and what it's been like for you? It's been it's been great. It, it was very um, challenging. One of the things that's happened in the beginning. So I I think Blossom started officially in two thousand four, and um, I knew um, by two thousand late two thousand sixteen early seventeen that it was time for somebody that knew how to scale that had the the ability to scale the facility to scale came in and and took over, and personal stuff in my life was changing and I I needed to focus differently. So um, I have always, with Blossom, always held very deep, very quiet intentions. Mm-hmm. I'm a person that's used vision boards and ideal scenes for ever since <clears throat> since the 90s, and that is really how I sustain myself through Blossom. Because as you know, Sarah, 
as an entrepreneur, you hear a lot of, oh, that can't happen. No, that won't ever happen. No, mm-hmm. that can't. Oh, no. Don't try that. Yeah, everybody's um, free with the free advice. <laughs> it's yeah. always flowing. They're yeah. like, you should do this. And most without any experience. Yeah. 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 Which I, I love that part. So I had a vision of a, the, a written set of, you know, what I'd like to see happen with Selling Blossom. What kind of partners? What kind? And I just read it every day or very, very often and just held that. And I've had people introduce me to people. You know, people kept saying, oh, you need a broker to sell your business. Mm-hmm. And I had the valuation, a formal valuation done. So I paid for that, which was critical so that I could show potential buyers. I think that um, there were 16 different potential buyers that came through. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Without having a broker. Some yeah. very casual, some people from the market that loved the product mm-hmm. but had not a clue what was involved with actually creating it mm-hmm. or maintaining it. And then um, I w- did an event in January, and this has happened all along the way. Somebody will step forward that I've never seen before and offer to help me in very um, essential ways. Th- this I was waiting to meet with somebody from Virginia who wanted to see Blossom on the East Coast, and they wanted to do uh, economic development. Mm. And I had a, a date with him at 2 o'clock, and this man came to my booth, and this was at the winter uh, production thing in January at the— somewhere on the east side of Portland. And this man stepped up, and I said, oh, you're early. And he said, I am. And I said, yeah, by like an hour. And and then he introduced himself, and it was not the same person. (laughs) It was not the person from Virginia. (laughs) And um, for some reason, he just became committed to introduce me to people who could possibly buy Blossom for no no gain on his part. Just for fun. Just because he could. And Mm. he knew a lot of people that I had no... I'd never met. Hmm. And he did. And he introduced me to um, the company that bought me. The same, what I did not know is it's the same week that Sarah Massoni also Mm -hmm. mentioned to that same company, Blossom Vinegars and Connie. So that same week, they got two inputs on on me as a owner and as a company. And I met with the general manager. I thought, I can't imagine this company doing this. You know, and I was very relaxed. We had a lovely meeting. Yeah, they had their own vision of what they were doing, which we still don't all know exactly what that is. And then I met the CEO the next week, and within 20 minutes, they made a fantastic offer. And, you know, know, they're they're perfect partners Mm -hmm. because they know how to scale. They have the ability to do that. Um, The harder part for them has been the entrepreneurial part. Yeah. And that, so I've stayed involved with that, and um, it holds a lot of potential. We're working on a third-generation product and that I'm not really free to talk about on air um, that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it takes time and it takes commitment, and they, they're, they're the right people at the right time, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the fun things is that sometimes it's like in a marriage when you meet someone, you know, you're immediately there's lots of there's a honeymoon period and then you start to get to know them and this has been so the opposite with with these folks the more i know them the more our values are aligned our focus is aligned they they have beautiful products that they produce um, and blossom is one of them now I think that's one of the reasons we really wanted to have you on, too, is because this um, relationship has been so successful. So every time that, you know, we've seen you over the years, you're like, this is really great. I feel really good about this decision. You're staying with the company because sometimes... 
that doesn't happen. Yes. Um, people sell the business or yeah. um, go move into this relationship and then they realize I'm I'm out. So different. You know? <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. not working for me. Yeah. Either because they're so used to making all the decisions themselves or they just don't feel like they need to be there or they don't like. I mean, there can be many reasons why it doesn't yeah. work, but I think it's really nice to hear the story of it working mm-hmm. and being really great for you and yes. for Blossom yeah. Fingers. I think yeah. the purchase was a genuine act. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think a lot of the sales of small food companies seem a little bit disingenuous when the company doesn't follow the original intent of the entrepreneur. Yeah, yes. And that happens a lot when the entrepreneur is separated from the business. It's yes. like, okay, you guys do it your way. I never wear fingernail polish on Instagram, but if you're going to wear fingernail polish on Instagram with my product, then I guess I'm not in anymore. I mean, it can be as small of an issue as that. Yeah. One of the things that's been amazing and, and, um, because, you know, I've never been on this journey and really they've not been on it in the way they are now. And we'll be in a meeting and, you know, we have generally a once a month or once a week meeting and, like we're working on branding and the, the general manager will turn to me and he'll say, well, wait, let's hear what Connie has to say first. She's the DNA of the brand. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that's, that's so, wisdom. that is so respectful. And that it's is. so important because you're the heart of the business. I mean, you created it only because you wanted to, you know, yeah. you created it and, and that for it to still exist as it is, you still need to be part of it. And so it's important to get your decision. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad that they do that because that's yeah. not always what happens. You and, know? and we don't always end up agreeing, which is fine. Yeah. You know, they have, um, they're far more educated on the sales and you know, distribution stuff than, than I actually even want to be mm-hmm. at this point because mm-hmm. that's their expertise. And so, you know, I put in my two cents and then, oh, yeah, I'm converted to, oh, no, that's a better one. Yeah. But it's it's like the, the space is there mm-hmm. to participate. That's really nice. That's it's cool. It's fantastic. So you, did you um, commit to a certain amount of time or is it just, uh, you know, sometimes when people um, sign into a business with someone else, they'll say, I'll stay on for two years or something like that. Was that part of your contract? I have a, a initially a three-year um, so many hours a week yeah. commitment, very nominal, yeah. you know, and it ebbs and flows. Sometimes I do more, sometimes I do less, but it all, it all evens out. Hmm. And then we'll see at that point, I'll be hitting the geezer years by the time the, geezer <laughs> the, end, of the, the end of the three. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like 71. You use this vinegar, it keeps you young. It I does. Know. It's I... a miracle food. <laughs> <laughs> I would have guessed you were 60. Yay, I would have well. guessed she was 49. <laughs> <laughs> I love you both. <laughs> so um, right now, are your products available in stores? They are in um, the drinking vinegars. The mixers are in new, many of the new seasons, mostly the larger stores. And they also carry the four culinary vinegars in where, where the larger stores. Them? So Arbor Lodge, uh, Happy Valley, Cedar Mills, and uh, Arenco have both sets. They've mm. got the culinary and they've got the drinking. They're in two different locations. The culinary are with the culinary vinegars, as they should be. Mm-hmm. The mixers are with the, the drinking vinegars and the um, in the mixer the section. The mixer section, which is totally separate mm-hmm. from the um, drinks yes. and also the vinegars. It's and a then section. Market of Choice carries the drinking vinegars and they're also in the mixer section and usually they're on an end cap. But store to store it varies. Mm. 
So, and then we're at the market and we have a web presence as well. Do you sell online? We do. Okay. That's great. People can order it. Yes, they can. They can get, you know, both online. That's often the easier for them. I usually start out by asking um, how people find you online. I forgot to do that today because I was so excited to tell my story. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what's your website and then any other web presence you want to mention? It's blossomvinegars.com. And I think we'll have other presences, if that's a word, grammatically, um, in the near future. Cool. Are you on any of the social media? I think I've seen you on Instagram. We have been, but... I'm no longer doing that part. And so ah, we're in that incredible transition. transition where they're, you know, they're building the new website. We're building the new labels. Mm-hmm. We're building this new product. Nice. It's a lot of change. Yeah. It's very exciting. It is exciting. We always like to talk about label and packaging change. So um, you've changed over the years to all different things. Can you talk about a little bit of of the journey of the package and the label and then what it's going to be maybe? Well, I can tell you that we we will move away from the square quadra bottles as much as I love them. I like how they fit together. They, when you're starting to do, you know, much larger production runs, Sarah, you know, as Mm -hmm. well as I, round is the winner because you can label them. Our bottles have been hand labeled. That's Mm -hmm. very intensive. It's fine when it's you know, fourteen or 15,000 bottles, it's not so great when it's 150,000. Yeah, so they yeah. have, you know, labeling machines for everybody to use. None of them are built for square bottles. None. So, um, you know, that's the first thing anyone says when you want to have somebody else manufacture your product is that you need to switch the bottles. So, oh, yeah. we, you know, we have square bottles as well. But, yep. And we just put them all on by hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and it's fantastic to a point. Yeah. And yep. that, you know, you, because of the size of them, they have, you can't be, be cockeyed or mm-hmm. the name isn't going to show up on the front and, you know, but we've gotten very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All years. her labels line up. The top <laughs> is even on every bottle. Yeah. You have so, to be a little OCD. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's important when you're placed on a shelf. Yeah. You know, for yeah, visually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll go to a, a more, the, the drinking vinegars will be called mixers in the future. Um, they'll have distinct colors. They'll be a, a little bit more modern look, um, as will the the culinary vinegar. We'll probably be uniting through the lily that is on the label for the drinking vinegar right now. Mm. Um, but all of that's in flux. And the culinary vinegar label, we, I've known for a long time, it needs to needs to be updated. Yeah. That's a very expensive process. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you have to buy new plates. You have to pay yeah. somebody to design it. It's all like a big, mm-hmm. big step. It has to go through legal. Yeah. All of that. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll know now to soon look for an updated version of your product on the yeah. shelf. Yes. The other thing about... Um, Switching bottles a lot of times to the round bottles is that they're cheaper to buy. Yes. Because they're more accessible. Whereas the unique bottles are unique and also more expensive. (laughs) And can be very difficult to get. To source, yeah. They're hard to fill too. They Mm -hmm. I don't find them hard to fill. Well, on a production line they don't line up, so they have to be side to side. They can't rotate around. That's true. Yeah. So that's an issue. Down those um, packaging lines they like the round ones move and the square ones and it throws it off. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had trouble getting your square bottles, but there have been several times when these have been held up because the um, glass factories have been closing. Mm-hmm. And so these um, came from Taiwan for years. And one summer, I desperately needed a pallet of bottles. And um, they got, um, pirates got the, 
the ship. The pirates took the, pirates the bottles. Took, took the ship. And the ship. Good the whole bottle. I think. I yet. think Connie and I might have had bottles on the same oh boat because God. we had the same thing happen too and it was like in preparation for holiday so it was yes. like you know if you're making things seasonally Connie and I would be making all of our summer flavors to sell in the winter yeah. you know in the right. summer and everything <laughs> got delayed that year like no boats were coming in they were all getting hijacked and, and so what? no bottles were coming in what did they do with the bottles I, well they just they just, they just the ransomed the ship yeah and I thought because this company had such terrible customer service I was convinced that this was just a lie to cover the fact oh. <laughs> they never ordered them. <laughs> then I started reading about it. No, no it, it was, was really real. happening. It was real. It was real. Wow. <laughs> this so, ship so struggle is Connie, real. So, Connie, you have a big list of stuff in front of you, and I'm wondering, is there anything on there that you just really wanted to tell the people listening? Yeah, we only have a few minutes left. Yeah. That went fast. Time went by really quickly. I, I would just say um, thank you, first of all, for inviting me. And I think that the thing that I would tell other budding entrepreneurs or uh, Please feel free. You can contact me. I will respond. Oh. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the proof is out there. But to um, not listen to those that say no. Mm-hmm. I can remember taking a class at the very beginning, and every teacher w- that was in that class said, don't do this. It's not practical. No one will pay for this. And I went and sat in my car at lunch and had a good cry. And then I used the explicative and went, said, to hell with it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing that could happen is I'd fail. Yeah, I remember you telling me that pe- that I was the first person who said, "Go for it." Yeah, and yeah, the and same thing happened to me difference. too. And it's really about when you put your values into something mm-hmm. that people don't agree with; they don't think yes. it's important. So yeah. when I went anywhere in the beginning, people were like, "You can't possibly make a commercial product that's going to be made with all local ingredients." Yes. And you know, I had gone to co-packers, and every single one was like no way will we let you bring in your own produce. You know, we have a system and that is not part of it. And so everyone told yes. me no. And I was like, well, fine, I'll just do it myself. You know, like yep. I'll figure it out. And then and that makes I, it actually doable. It, it does. It does. And yeah. it makes it makes something, you know, I created something that at the time wasn't really out there exactly. because there was only this one option to go have this yeah. thing made by somebody that wasn't what I wanted to do. So yeah. I think that when people hear that, when they hear no, you either listen or you're inspired to do what you want to do. Yeah. And, That's great. you know, we still don't use a co-packer. Yeah. Because it's quality. It's fresh. You know, and it's totally doable. So I always say hold out for the miracles. Keep that vision. Find those that support you. Leave those behind that say no. Mm-hmm. You know, fraternize with those that are going to support you. The worst that could happen is it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. But then you know. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Connie, we're going to leave on those wonderful words. It was so yeah. great to have you here today. Thank you so much. And if you guys want to see Connie, she will be at the farmer's market this weekend. We're actually going to be at the Slow Food oh, right. in Vancouver. Okay. So Starts at 11. There's an event in Vancouver through Slow Food. You can look that up and go find mm. Connie there and you can taste the vinegars. And it's in the weekend. old Fort uh, area in nice. Vancouver. Wow. So, yeah. That's Very exciting. cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us this week. We record Masoni and Marshall inside of a Ned space. <laughs> Tune in every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, submit those press re- releases to startupradionetwork.com, and we will be here next week. Have a great weekend. Yay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program. 